The following podcast is by Mr. Jim Taylor, elder law and special needs attorney, helping and protecting those who need long-term care. And welcome back, everyone, to Answers for Elders Radio Network with Jim Kaler, elder law attorney in Richfield, Ohio, who is talking about a lot of federal issues. And Jim, uh, you've been giving us a lot of information about what our rights are as we're stepping up and, you know, bringing in a loved one into a skilled nursing facility or assisted living. And uh, thank you for sharing a lot of this information. I'm like, wow, I had no idea. So we're talking now this next segment about what, Jim? We're going to be talking about where the nursing home or assisted living asks a family member to be or forces or tricks a family member into taking responsibility for payment um, if they don't get fully paid at, by the resident. Mm-hmm. And this often happens when Medicaid doesn't follow through or there's an improper transfer in the history of the uh, resident or something like that. I remember distinctly an I- issue with um, with payment with my mom when she was being um, qualified for Medicaid. Um, there was an issue with payment. And so I'm very interested in um, hearing a little bit about that. Okay. About, uh, you know, how, how I, why was I served paper about her payment? Yep. Okay. So most nursing home and assisted living agreements now uh, have a place where they want somebody else from the family to sign the agreement as what's most often called the resident representative. It may be, and and for those of you listening, I've got air quotes around resident representative. Okay. Mm -hmm. They may use a different term, but this is the one I see most often here in Ohio. Do you um, have to be that, that resident representative have to be power of attorney? No, but that's where they usually get a family member to sign by saying, oh, you're the, you're on the power of attorney. You're the agent. That's what we call them in Ohio anyway. Yeah. Um, you need to sign this. Okay. Um, and nursing homes are demanding that, at least around here. Um, there are ways around it, but some nursing homes don't, don't let you get away with the way around it. Okay. Uh, and some of these are just plain ugly. Okay. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, what they, the, now this is under federal rules, okay? The resident representative uh, under these clauses has, it, this is the clause in the agreement now, okay? But this is subject to federal rule. Mm-hmm. The resident representative will promise to pay from the resident's money. Okay, that doesn't sound like a big deal. Right. But it goes on to say that the represent, resident representative has, making air quotes, sole control of the resident's money. Well, that's almost never true. If you are the agent under power of attorney law in Ohio, and I suspect it's pretty much the same in all the other states, right? you may be on there and have ability to, to spend the resident's money, the, you're the principal of the, uh, on the power of attorney. You're the agent, at least in Ohio's terminology. The principal is the person who signed it. I'm, mom, I'm mom's agent. My mom signed the power of attorney extending her powers to me mom is still on her bank account power of attorney does not give anyone sole control over anything in ohio and i suspect that's true in all the other states okay the only time that anyone has sole control of someone else's money 
is when they are a guardian and have control of the money. It may be conservator in, in other states like California, right. for example. In Ohio, you have to be guardian of the estate in Ohio because also guarding the person. You don't have control of money at all under that. Okay. And guardianship is a state animal, by the way. So it may be different in different states. Right. Um, but in Ohio, anyway, you don't have sole control of anything unless the probate court makes you guardian of the estate. Okay. So uh, by signing, you have sole control, you've already lied. And they, you have represented to the nursing home something that's not true. And they know it's not true. If they don't know it's not true, they're really stupid. But the person asking you to sign it doesn't know any difference. The admission person who's handing you this to sign doesn't know the difference, doesn't yeah. know guardianship law. It's not going to be handed to you by the nursing home's attorney who knows better, but they write these clauses anyway. Okay. And then it goes on to say that. The resident representative, the family member, volunteers, making air quotes, they're volunteering to guarantee payment to the nursing home. That means out of their own money, okay? Under federal rules, nursing homes cannot demand that a family member guarantee payment, but they can accept if family members volunteer to guarantee payment. So now all they've done is put that volunteer thing into an agreement and if you don't realize it's there and sign this stupid thing you've now volunteered and i've i've dealt with nursing homes like that one i mentioned that had five or six uh, illegal clauses in it where they weren't going to budge this person was going to volunteer well that's certainly not voluntary is it but it's on paper is voluntary okay um and i've seen this only one time but this one's really wild the resident representative agrees to take in the resident if the nursing home or assisted living discharges. This happened to be a nursing home. If the assisted if the nursing home discharges the resident, the resident representative agrees to take them in. This is a shortcut way of meeting the state and federal rules on a safe place for someone to go if the nursing home doesn't want to keep them anymore. You volunteered if you sign this to be the place where they discharge, even if you cannot take care of your loved one, you volunteered by signing this. Okay. So how to get around this one, look for it, cross it out. Um, that would may draw attention. You may not want, I, I do it by digging my heels, but then I'm also the loudmouth attorney that can argue with the nursing homes attorney. Sometimes I win, sometimes I lose. This is a negotiation. Okay. Um, you can, sign it and put as POA. You can have the resident sign every line and even as resident representative. And then the admission person may not know the difference. And just, oh, I needed someone else to sign here. They may not know the difference if you sign using comma POA or as power of attorney or whatever is appropriate in your state. Because if you sign as power of attorney, now you're not signing as your individual person, you're signing as the on their behalf the resident okay Correct. so uh you don't want to agree to this crap if you can avoid it okay because if there's a medicaid screw up and there's plenty of medicaid screw ups and some mm -hmm. of them are frankly i think at least in ohio intentional screw ups by medicaid then the resident representative the family member becomes the guarantor of the private pay rate this is exactly my story, Jim. I want you to know that this is my story with my mother. Mm -hmm. It really happened to me. 
I got served papers saying that unless I paid um, a certain, I think it was three months of her rent because, because the power of attorney that she had appointed was taking her own sweet time and getting my mother qualified for Medicaid. And there was a mix up in her paperwork and Medicaid had, had rejected. And yeah. so they got a notice and I was not her power of attorney, but when I admitted her, I signed the paperwork with her. Because you and had to. They told you you had I to. had to. And so they actually said that unless I think they gave me 10 days to come up with three months worth of rent um, or they were going to deliver her to my doorstep. And I was like, I'm not even power of attorney. I didn't even know. And I, there's no way I could have taken care of my mom. Right. Um, and I had to, at that time, I will never forget how scary that was, how over, I mean, I felt like I was pushed back into a corner and I didn't even have any control over what was going on with her application with Medicaid because it was a different person that was doing it in the family. Yeah. Yeah, that's the problem. That's a so, real, real situation. It is. It is. I've seen it. I try to keep it from happening in my clients' families. Um, and, uh, you know, my clients have the advantage, my clients and their families have the advantage of having a lawyer in that's been there, done that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have spoken at uh, to a group from probate court on admission agreements and how to take care of people in nursing homes. Uh, you know, looking out after care and but admission agreements was a big part of that. I've spoken mm-hmm. several times at Ohio State Bar Association seminars, and I'm probably going to end up doing it again next year mm-hmm. uh, because they, they have a beginning level seminar for elder law attorneys. And I talk about care, including admission agreements. Mm-hmm. And then NBI, as you see from these slides, asked me to do it nationally. So I, I probably have looked at more of these admission agreements than any other elder law attorney who doesn't work well, elder law attorney. Now, there are any other attorney that doesn't work for a nursing home or assisted living. Amazing. Amazing. And uh, I've really tried to acquaint myself with these things so that my clients don't don't stumble over these potholes. Sure, sure. And I, are, and this we're is, talking real money here. This is finally, I never could understand why I was the it um, yeah. and not this power of attorney. Yeah. Yeah. Because you volunteered. And I was the one that was always there. And I was the one that was so so very interesting. So Jim, what are we going to be moving into in our next segment? So our next segment, we're actually getting away from the admission agreements. We're going to be talking about the experience you had and threats to discharge your loved one. Oh boy. (laughs) I know this story so well. Yep. Yep. and you know, and and to those of you that are listening and and or watching on YouTube, these are real stories. And I I am testament. I always say I'm the poster child for everything that could have gone wrong in the care of my mom. To you know, it did go wrong. It's like because I thought I was making right decisions, but I didn't know what I was doing. And had I had an elder law attorney like Jim that would help advise me through this part. So please, when you're involved in this, this legal stuff is so important. And because there's little things that will bite you in the ankle if you do not, um, you know, pay attention to little details. So Jim, thank you so much. And we're looking forward to our next segment coming up right after this. 
state of Ohio residents, you have a friend to help you navigate long-term care while protecting your assets. You can reach Jim at www.protectingseniors.com or just email him at jkoewler-afe, that's jkoewler-afe at protectingseniors.com. Hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.